Hi, this is Joe Rand. I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find details at Inman.com. Hi, this is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. Years ago, when my mom was on the rope, suffering through her last chapter of life, I wanted to fix her so bad. She had anxiety, like many of us do now. At the time, I shared a story with her of how my friend Corey Anders got rid of his fear of flying by putting a rubber band on his wrist. Every time he went into a panic attack in the air, he snapped the rubber band and came out of it. When my mom heard our, my story, she chuckled and said with a dose of Midwestern sarcasm, Bradley, I wish a rubber band could fix me now. Um, now, what in that story has anything to do with the woes of the multiple listing service, what we fondly refer to as the MLS? Well, it is a problem that we've been trying to fix with a rubber band, and that is not working. Could it be COVID-19 will finally help us fix the MLS once and for all? Here to tell me what the problem with the MLS is and whether that could be true and help me navigate this gnarly question is New Orleans broker owner Lacey Conway, Cloud CMA co-founder Greg Robertson, and longtime MLS executive and MLS guru David Sharon. Let's start by defining what is wrong with the MLS, if anything. Lacey, you first. Hey, Brad. Thank you. You know, I, I'm not sure that COVID will fix the MLS, although it has definitely exposed uh, the limitations of the MLS in its current form. You know, one story that I think applies that kind of got fleshed out through COVID is um, our governor was asking the MLSs, and there are nine in the state of Louisiana, for market information to decide, are we essential or are we not? And it was complicated. The MLSs were not cooperative. And for somebody during a crisis to make a quick and informed decision, and I would argue brokers and you know our clients, our agents want to make quick and informed decisions, we are lacking that at this moment. You know, Lisa, that is such a good point. I, I've been a critic because I call it you know, a bureaucratic nightmare. Too many like vested people with guaranteed salaries that, you know, they can just kind of coast. They can kind of do it their own way yes. and ignore their customers. And it's that bureaucratic, you know, but that is a great story. David, great. Um, that story really told a lot. Add some more color to what is the problem with the MLS, if any? Well, either one of let, let me let me try this, Brad. You know, I think the the biggest challenge with MLS is inherent. It's almost systemic. It deals with politics, it deals with protectionism, and it deals with money. And and it's often the less progressive MLSs um, have a lot of tinkerers that that run it. Uh, and so I think that combination uh, gives uh, all of us uh, a bit of a bad rap. Um, I think it's incumbent upon brokers uh, to, um, to insist uh, that when the, um, I think it was Buffett that said, when the tide goes out, we then find out how many bathers are swimming naked. 
you know? And so when we recover from this, I think it's incumbent upon the brokers to decide and to insist on a lot of these challenges and changes uh, that need to occur in the MLS. They've got to be not thoughtfully uh, taken out. They've got to just be taken out. But tell me what that means. It's, it, it, that sounds like kind of the hyperbole of a year ago on a Inman Connect stage, the MLS must. The MLS, when this is all over, what's going to incite the fear of God in them? You know, to merge, consolidate, to cut their costs, to deliver services, to not going out and doing hanky-panky at, at receptions held by the big vendors and portals that want to get their attention, not selling data without the everyday realtor understanding, all these issues that this leads little fiefdoms get away with. Well, yeah, but I don't think it's I don't think it's all MLSs are that way. But I, I do get oh, your good. that that's a sweet get your point. You're right. I'm going to defend the more progressive ones. Uh, I, I believe that there are thoughtful, inspired, engaged leadership in a lot of MLSs around the country, and then there are some that are protectionist. They are they are remote. They are reclusive. They are inaccessible, uh, and this causes a lot of problems for Lacey and uh, and her uh, 3,500 agents. Let me ask you this, Greg, let me turn to you. Do you think most MLSs really understand, let's, from the very get-go, who the customer is? It, sometimes I, you know, a lot of companies don't, but a lot of organizations don't, you know. The government doesn't understand the taxpayer to the customer. Um, is that part of the problem with some of these? Or am I just uh, rambling from the cheap, cheap seats here? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I do think that they, they know who their customer is. I mean, I would take a, a counter to what, you know, a lot of times has been portrayed about MLSs. I mean, number one, I mean, I, I see a lot of uh, good things that they're doing. I mean, you know, I think Northwest MLS started where, with, you know, not, not being able to schedule open houses, right? Um, I know MRS started this kind of bright talk where they started giving information out to realtors about uh, the COVID-19 and, and I started highlighting things. I see a lot of vendors that are innovating, um, coming up with products to help during these times that, that MLS are facilitating getting out there. Um, you know, but it's a tough gig. I mean, you know, I think for every Inman Connect I've been to, Brad, you guys have had a panel about the death of the MLS of some, <laughs> of some sort of, in some sort of flavor, right? I mean, but to go back that's to the day, that's to fill the seats with all the yeah, parents exactly, MLS exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, to get back what David said, there are about 585 um, MLSs in the country. There's 1.4, 1.3 million members of NAR. Of those 585 MLS providers out there, 400 of them have less than 400 um, subscribers. Right. So that's crazy. Right, and and you're it's hard to reach those, but think about that: 585 total MLSs, 400 of them have less than 400 members. Okay, you're not seeing those 400 member those 400 MLSs at the parties, or maybe some, or anything like that. They're just it's it's just hard to reach them. It's hard to get them to the table a lot of times. Um, I mean, think about how small that area's got to be when you only have 400 members, right? So it's a it's a really tough thing for the Sometimes the, the tail to be wagging the dog a little bit. Lisa, let me ask you this. What is, is, is a customer, is, is, a, is a person who along with your realtors pay the freight for these things, what is the role um, of the MLS? It, it's the primary role. What should they be doing for you? 
and I think this conversation, it gets complicated because it's hard to have a conversation about the MLS without including the associations. You know, I say for our state, they're so entwined that it's hard to see what's really the MLS and what's the association. So to me, the mission and the, you know, the, what the MLS was meant to do and what their mission is, is actually quite simple. It's gotten complicated by sort of, you know, becoming the, um, you know, subsidizing the associations and doing more than just purely staying in its lane and being an MLS. So confused in its own identity is kind of what you're saying. Like the MLS is a database of listings and they should be all about serving that function. And then you're saying they get distracted by these other things. Is that a fair kind of yes. summary of what you it said? Is. And, and again, not to say, I mean, not all MLSs are created equal and neither are associations. You know, there, there's this good, bad, everything in between. But yes, their mission has kind of gone awry. Um, I feel like all these different areas are trying to differentiate. So well, I'm going to use Paragon. I'm going to use majors. I'm going to have, so it sets up these, um, you know, hoops and everybody's trying to do something different and it ends up complicating life for the agents. And it should, right? It should be easy. It should be like opening be your easy. phone. Yeah. Exactly. And like you said, it, it was meant to be a, a business to business. This is where we put our listings. This is where we offer compensation. That's it. You know, yeah. simple function. Yeah, that's really, you know, that's such a, they've gotten off in all kinds of weird businesses and avenues, haven't they? I mean, they're yes. doing all kinds of stuff and I guess it's good, but I don't know. David, jump in. Hey, and, and you guys just go for it. I don't want to. No, no, no. You don't need prompting. You're all. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I think that's challenging for MLSs is, is that they've always, they've never learned how to compete. And what's really happened most recently before, up until, you know, a month or two ago, there were a number of different competing platforms. Sure, there were portals and things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, now you've got these broker platforms, you've got these independent, you know, these potential silos of information that are going to be created by various brokers and things like that. And brokers and, and uh, MLSs have never learned how to compete. Uh, uh, but does that also say something that they're, their value is questionable, David. If, 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 if to say I'm not competing is meaning that I, I don't have my act together. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being a convincing advocate for my core value to Lacey. If you're saying all these other things are popping up. You're absolutely right. And so I think that the, that the MLS has to clearly defend and define its value proposition every day just like our customers do. And we've never had to do that before. We as MLSs, when I speak about it, and that's causing everybody like a lot of MLSs to get into the grip. And Greg's absolutely right. Having five or 600 MLSs is, is just crazy. Uh, most of these entities are hand to mouth and there's no innovation going on. Uh, they're dealing with a small network of people. Um, uh, they're having to respond to the politics to Lacey's point. Maybe they're more uh, under the thumb of associations than they, than they need to be. Um, I think it really deals with competition and MLS has become locked into something, almost cocooned because they've never had to learn how to compete. And now we have to. Greg, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, on the comp competition side, I mean, you know, we just gone through this with the clear cooperation policy where, you know, brokers felt that they wanted to have their own silos of information um, out there, but still had, but still wanted the MLS to be there for cooperation and compensation. It reminds me of 
those videos you see or those pictures you see on Twitter of the guy holding up a sign that says COVID is a lie, but he's still got a mask on. Right? <laughs> I don't understand Great analogy. how they think that they can join an MLS where, as Lacey says, it's all about cooperation and compensation, but still not want to put their stuff on the MLS because they want to have some sort of differentiated inventory, right? Um, and for MLS, is, it's a, again, it's a tough go- job. I mean, you have to control these brokers with all their different business models and everything's changing all the time and they've got to be, I think they just get dumped on a lot because they got to be the bad cops sometimes in these situations, right? And, and to go back to what Lacey said also, if you throw the association, if they're owned by an association or the association in the mix, now that's a whole other thing they got to deal with. I mean, I never would want to be, I couldn't do what David did, David did or does or Brian or Art or any of these guys. I mean, it's a tough gig to, to manage all of this. And I just, I think they get too much blame on, you know, their jobs when it's really, especially in these changing times, um, tough to follow. Hi, this is Sherry Chris. I'm excited to be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now Connect is coming to you. Find out details at Inman.com. Let me ask you the question I always wondered, and I guess this is what prompts us to have a panel saying MLS dead or whatever we say. Um, We have a national airlines database. We have a national book database. We have a national everything database. We have an international list of local drivers that you can go to anywhere in the world. And let's start with you, Lacey. I mean, Zillow already has basically a national database. They don't call it MLS. They never would, but they have okay, it. Here's, here's the second panel you always do, okay? <laughs> That's the MLS. And now here's the second one. Why isn't there a national MLS database? Okay. <laughs> But why is it there? The reason we put it there is some of our some of us from the outside scratch our heads and say, let's just give Lacey a national database and do away with all this. But Lacey, defend why we need these local people doing what they do. I mean, or not defend it. Am I wrong? I mean, you know, I mean, I think it's there's a place for some local people, but not so many, you know, and I think even before COVID, there's a movement within the brokers in Louisiana that everybody just has started asking questions why are we operating this way? You know, it seems like the brokers, and I mean, I'll speak for myself, we're seven of the nine MLSs. It just seems like a massive duplication of effort all around. You know, the, the brokers get fined. Every, it's very, it seems very arbitrary. Uh, our agents, you know, have to pay MLS dues wherever they want to do business. And it's basically become this big question you know, our agents are wanting access to better data at a lower cost, you know, and even to your um, question about Zillow. Yes, that's a national database. And it's to the point where the brokers in Louisiana say, why wouldn't we have even a statewide database where, you know, honestly, looking at it from the perspective of what are we doing that's in the best interest of our clients? Brad, you know, if we listed your place here in New Orleans, if you had one, wouldn't it be better to expose that listing to the 15,000 qualified realtors in the state versus the, the hand, you know, the couple that are in a certain zip code? So we should- Well, even think about it this way. My wife, Yaz, we love buying real estate. And right now she's shopping around all over the world. Someday she comes in and goes, I found a place in upstate New York. I found a place in Paris. We don't buy all these places. <laughs> but she, she often says, what's going on in New Orleans, you know? And- Here's a woman sitting in Palm Beach, Florida, 
she should see everything in, in Louisiana. She, she probably doesn't have a clue all the cool places. And who does she have to go to? Redfin and Zillow. Yes. And it's like, how did that, if a national database isn't a good idea, Greg Robertson, why is it that someone else provided it so my wife can look at property everywhere? Shouldn't that have been under cloud CMA MLS global or something? Well, I mean, it's another that's vendor. We, we didn't start with Zillow, right? We started with Realtor.com, right? So that, NAR, that's, owned that by, their, that's owned by Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> well, but in the, in the, you know, again, this is, this is the way the, this is about the market, right? The market has decided. NAR chose to go with Real Select and, and start a Realtor.com and they had, you know, a long head start and somebody else came and did it better. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way this country operates, right? So um, winners win, losers lose, right? Um, I don't, I don't know, see if there's anything wrong. I don't see how, you know, if, if, if the MLSs all put themselves online, they would have to compete with private entity, right? I mean, so they'd have, they can still do that. They just gotta come up with a solution that's gonna do that. And I guess there is some to say they have a, they're a nonprofit so often there. So they have a public purpose and therefore they have a higher calling. And there's probably something to say for that. David, help me out here. I'm, I go out on a limb, you know, trying to stir everything up. What, what have I missed here? You, you always have a good overview and strategic sense of things. Well, to Greg's point, there was realtor.com, but MLS has never been business to consumer. It's always been business to business. And so uh, if you go back you know, 30 years, 40 years, these MLSs were all set up and geographically they were arbitrary boundaries established by counties and things like that. And so some MLSs have really tried to take it upon themselves to, to expand uh, responsibly. And, you know, in the case of Bright, uh, they went six states plus the District of Columbia. Uh, maybe we'll go further, maybe we won't. Uh, it depends on what uh, the brokers like Lacey decide they want to have happen. Uh, I think that if we, um, if we, just as if we underestimate this virus, it will find us. If we come out of this bread and we underestimate the need to make these responsible changes to eliminate the duplication that Lacey talked about, uh, to make it easier for her and her people to do business, to work with the millions of consumers out there, we are, we, we, it's a recipe for disaster. Really well, and you, you, you pointed out to me, David, that after the, um, the national recession, uh, you know, 12 years, 10 years, whatever it was, um, out of that came some reform, just not enough. Yeah. Um, and do you think, Lacey pointed out some pretty good stuff here, like the lack of agility with the bureaucracy, even getting data to, to, to government officials. I mean, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, she also pointed out the necessity of consolidation for her. Again, the customer first. Yeah. And she pointed out um, focus on just core things, not doing all this other crazy stuff that all these MLSs do. Right. Um, is it possible that at least maybe those three things we could, can we jumpstart consolidation? Can we, can we get MLSs to get rid of all this crazy stuff they're doing and just focus on those core services and doing them right? Um, what I, do you I think? think? It's, it's going to take more than just uh, uh, will. It's going to take the will of the, not only the MLSs, but also of the brokers. One of the first things MLSs could do was they could look at their adoption rate of the various products they offer. And whatever the minimum threshold is, if the MLSs don't and don't have their membership 
uh, uh, utilize those tools, they ought to jettison that crap right away. They really should. That would be one of the things that we could do and really go back to providing essential necessary. No, nobody's, nobody's using anything now, really, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they're using the heck out of cloud CMA, aren't they? Right? Well, you know. <laughs> well, they jettison everything that cloud CMA. <laughs> let, let, let's do some... Let's do something different here. I haven't done this in the podcast. Let's all rally around three things that the MLSs, and some of them will listen begrudgingly until they hear me ask these wacko questions. But I, I should be kinder to these folks. They really do care. And I think Greg, you're right. And they're getting hit from all sides. So, but let's give them three things, three things, the three, the three of you that we really want the MLSs to tackle, and, and not impossible things, not dreamy national database BS bread ideas. Uh, let's go, you know, Greg, David, and Lacey, we'll, we'll wrap with you. Each of you give us one strong one, and uh, if there's overlap, we'll, we'll try to come up with another three, and we'll send that as the message lovingly, as Greg would want us to do, to the MLSs. Greg? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, again, I'll start off being positive here. I would say stay the course. When I started in this business, there were over a thousand MLS organizations out there. They're at 585. So there's a bit of a myth that consolidation is not happening, right? So I would say, let's just keep that, keep that going. So con continue incremental, but wise and smart consolidation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to make that happen. It's hard to build trust. Um, it's hard to kind of, you know, get that to happen. Yeah, totally. David? We've got to eliminate the duplication and redundancy, uh, Brad. However that happens, it has to occur so that, so that Lacey can enter once and point many and then access through a larger uh, network. Uh, if we can do that, um, you know, I think that that would be a great thing to have happen. For, so with or without consolidation, just make it easier for Lacey to enter data into multiple places to try to get her listings out to the world, right? I do. I believe that. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I've had a lot of broker owners I've interviewed for this podcast, and they talk about collaborating with competitors right now. And I think you all do that through your MLS associations that you have. But this idea of a local collaboration just within a state where, you know, we saw it in California when they tried to consolidate have one MLS to the other, they hate each other. I mean, they're really threatened or, you know, um, maybe this is a moment in time where, you know, we can all encourage that conversation to start during COVID because we're all, this is a great equalizer I'm finding and we're all in this together, all, you know, one for all, all for one. Does that make sense? Yeah, is that Pollyannish bullshit? I'd only add to that that the conversation can't just start. It's got to, we got to start taking action. It can't. So we got to do more than this podcast? Really? We can't be talking about it. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay, ladies, you have the floor to wrap this up. What's the third thing on top of consolidation, easier entry? What's the third one? You know, I would say simply listen to the brokers. Um, I feel like there's a feeling that even being a large broker, that somehow I need to apologize for being a large broker. There's this X on my back, that feeling that the MLSs are competing with me. And it's like enough already. Um, everybody can buy, loves the idea of, you know, equal representation. Everybody has a voice. We love that. We get that. Nobody's touching that. But when it comes down to brokers that are 
in essence, bringing, bringing more to the market. I mean, there's an irritation, I'd say, in Louisiana that I'll keep it just centered on New Orleans. You know, the top five brokers are voicing concerns that are just falling on deaf ears. There you so, go. Listen. Yeah. Listen better. Listen first and then act, right? I like it. Okay. Well, you all three were fantastic. I'm really, really grateful, and I enjoyed this discussion. And uh, I, I thank you for putting up with me and my questions. But anyway, this is Brad Inman checking out with another really lively, great discussion about the MLS.